My name is Alex. And I'm Bree. And we are excited you could join us tonight for Navs on Air. This is our second annual. No, I'm just kidding. Second <laughs> annual. <laughs> we have two of these a year. Yes. This is crazy. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about me and my messy family. And I know this will be a hard topic for some. And for some, it's a great topic. Some, it's a challenging topic. But I'm excited to dive into it specifically tonight. As I thought about me and my messy family, it was interesting thinking about this because I didn't really grow up in a Christian home per se. Um, I grew up in a home where it was just kind of do your best and be awesome. And they were non-believers. And so a lot of my experience connects with that is, you know, life was really intense. A lot of our conversations ended with who could yell the loudest or who could prove themselves right. There was lots of thrown things. And then if it wasn't shouting, it was like the, uh, the, uh, the silent competition of who could, you know, passively, aggressively pack away the dishes angrily mm-hmm. enough, you know? Um, and you kind of only talked about things if things went poorly. It's not like you didn't no gold stars in life, you know, it was just mm-hmm. kind of a, not always the most healthy dynamic of conversations and relating. So mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about how we were doing or feeling. So it was challenging dynamics. And sometimes it didn't always feel like the most fun time, especially as I, I left an STP environment where my best friends knew my life and I was sharing about the gospel and all these things. And then I go home and they don't care anything about that. And so that's kind of my experience coming into this conversation. And they kind of see me as that weird Christian guy who's in their family. Mm. Um, I don't know, Brie, for you, how, like, coming into this conversation, me and my messy family, does that connect with you? Or do you feel a part of that in your story, in your dynamic? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um, my story is similar, but different. Um, So I grew up with a family that called themselves Christians. Um, They went to church every Mm -hmm. Sunday, Bible study, Iwanas, all of that. Um, but they didn't act anything like Jesus. Uh, I would come home. Um, my dad would constantly be yelling, throwing things. Um, if I did something wrong, if I didn't put the dishes away, it would be a huge yelling match. Mm. Um, and my mom coming from her own past of abuse, um, physically abusive parents and verbally abusive, um, kind of just emotionally reacted from that. Mm. And so she would, spiral into um just a lot of hurtful comments towards mm. my dad um towards me they were married on um, a name but even just shared separate beds for a big part of my growing up yeah. um and so that really affected me and by the time i was in college i wanted nothing to do um with my family um and even kind of my dad specifically had a lot of deep-rooted hurts from mm. um, how he had treated me and how he had treated my mom and um, my sister and brother. And the only thing that made me want to come back was the fact that I had a little brother. Um, mm. And so coming into college, just wanted to push that away. And yeah. um, God changed my life. And um, so coming back home for the summers, it was hard because I no longer... Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be screaming and yelling with them, but mm. I still had those hurts and it was still a hot mess when I came home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's super valid. And I know for some of you, there's like abuse that's in those and there's been, sounds like some emotional and maybe even some physical abuse in there. And I know for some, there's like, there's like some even like sexual abuse and some even scary topics. And that's why we're not taking this as like a light conversation. That's like, like, this is a real thing we all deal with. It's pretty messy. And, it's not just you. You may feel like, oh, my story's not as intense as theirs, or my story, their story doesn't even compare to mine, right? Like, yeah. But the crazy thing is because it's family, it, it feels close. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even know if this is a thing we should compare to others. We should just kind of, your messiness is your messiness, but it doesn't mean I have to let you bear it alone. But yeah. we just need to be honest. And if we're honest, this is kind of true across the board. And so, and so this is every day in America. So every day in America, children, 326 children are arrested for alcohol, alcohol offenses. A thousand teens will get an abortion. Uh, 3,533 babies are born to unwed mothers. 359 children are arrested for drug offenses. 10,944 children will be abused physically or sexually. 2,763 children run away from home. Uh, 75% of those girls will, tr- will try to use sex to sell to survive. Mm. 4,000 kids will catch an STD. 13,076 public school kids are suspended. 960 kids will attempt suicide. 3,356 high school students will drop out of school. 6,042 children are arrested. 13,680 children will become victims of a broken home. Dang. 
And so some of this is like jarring and it's not meant to just be like, oh, that's scary. The reality is, what does that say about America? Mm. Is we all have messy families. Yeah, and I feel like we almost try to like one-up each other. Like my family's messier than yours. Mm-hmm. But the reality is we all have. Yeah. We all have messy families. It's as if well, we live in a broken world, right? Like <laughs> we're all sinners. <laughs> it's like the world is broken. Our family system is broken. Yeah. But not because of some not because of money or because of understanding, mm-hmm. but because at the core of who we are, there's a broken part of us. Yeah, exactly. And I think it gets expressed in our families pretty normally. And because the people that are closest to us tend to hurt us the most, mm-hmm. that is really felt. And so this isn't even like a new idea. Like it's not this generation suddenly, you know, America's really bad nowadays. You know, it's like Tiger King's the man. So now it's bad. You know, like <laughs> things have been bad for a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it starts in the scriptures. And so even, even the opening book of the Bible and the families that are in there, they're a hot mess. Yeah. Like Abraham yeah. and Sarah and how they lied and yeah. how Sarah brought uh, her chambermaid in to sleep with him. And then, yeah. Talk about sexual brokenness. Yeah. Right? Like think if your mom was just like, Hey dad, here's this woman sleep with her. Yeah. Like that, the tension that would bring in the relationships. And even he tries to lie to protect himself financially. Yeah. Exactly. And that's real, right? Like we see that today. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. My dad would do that all the time with our finances. Yeah. So it's, it's something that, and then you see that happen again with Rebecca and Isaac, the Mm -hmm. exact same story happens. Yeah. So even they play, yeah, they do the exact same thing. He lies about his wife and all that stuff. Even the the preferential treatment we'll see, Mm. like Isaac is the, this is the chosen son, son, right? He's like the best son, but Ishmael is kind of just like the, Oh, like please don't die. You know, like, um, and we see that favoritism even play out Mm. in that Jacob gets the blessing, but Esau gets nothing. And then they have this burned relationship. So even the brokenness of our families just doesn't go away each generation. Like the reality and something we have to sit in is that your family, no matter how much you love them, hate them, have affected you in some way. Mm. It could be a really positive way. It can be a really negative way. It can be both. The reality is there's no, there's no family that's all bad or all good. I'm sure there's maybe some cases, but I mean, even I know some people that will say like, well, you know, I don't like how my family is right. So I'll do the exact opposite but then it's still affecting them. Interestingly, it is still affecting them. Like I'm letting them set the dynamic of my conversation or my way I'm going to lead my family. And so no matter what we do, our family dynamic is broken. And we kind of even see this pattern of sin, right? Like Mm. um, even Jacob, where does he's called the deceiver? That's what Jacob means. Sorry, all my Jacobs on this call, but you are the deceivers. Um, He gets that name because he does that because he learned it from Isaac and from Abraham. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, a different story or the same story, but different people and over just, and over again. Just keeps happening and playing out again and doing uh, differently, but it still happens. Cause then we'll get to Joseph and he's got the Technicolor dream coat and we're yeah. all like, we're all like love that story. But interestingly in that favoritism, like he gets, he's the uh, ninth of the 12 sons. Mm. He gets this coat and this preferential treatment leads to his brothers hating him. Mm. And then they throw him into slavery. They sell him into slavery, and then that got some the Potiphar's wife and this other mm-hmm. sin, and then, then he gets thrown into prison, and it's all these hard dynamics. But you think because these are Bible characters, especially like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, like these are named in the Gospels even. Yeah, yeah. But like there's so much brokenness that's happening. Yeah, well, we, that's the crazy thing. Our, you know, relationship with God is, you know, as we think we have to be perfect or have it all together. Yeah. The ironic thing is Abraham was a hot man. Like even their families are so broken. Like, Hey, I'm just going to go take our son and kill him on the top of this mountain. I'll be right back. I guess, you know, like Mm -hmm. how, what that would do to your psyche or your dynamic to hear your parents say those things. Mm. I think you can even run into like idealism. Mm -hmm. Like I would always look at my pastor or look at other dads or parents and be like, Oh my gosh, if this person was my dad or this person was my mom, then like I would have the perfect family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if John Piper was my dad, yeah. my life would be fixed, right? I wouldn't be as hurt as I was, or like life would be easy. And I think that's just not true. Like, because they still are broken. At some level, yeah. they're broken. Even though David was like the man after God's own heart, mm. he has Absalom. And Absalom hates him him. he sleeps with his own sister like that's not good (laughs) it creates a hot mess and i think 
we have to admit to ourselves, and I, I do, I want this to be our opening thing, is we have to admit we all have messiness in our families. At mm. some degree, we are all messy and have messiness interwoven into our families. Mm. And I think we just have to be okay with that. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, is Genesis 50, 20. It says, uh, as for you, you meant evil against me. He, this is Joseph talking to his brothers who sold him into slavery. Mm. So this is like a real, he says, you meant to harm me or you meant to hurt me. He means it. Mm. You meant to harm me. But God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive so that they are today. And the NIV says to be what is done, the saving of many lives. And that, you know, all this in Genesis is happening and they end in Egypt where they, where he's like in charge and they're saved from this big famine. Well, eventually that will lead to Exodus and the redemption and the huge narrative arc of God coming. And so maybe you feel like, man, my mess, my family's messy. Or maybe you're someone feeling like my family doesn't feel that messy. They're, they're believers and things are pretty good. Man, I've known a lot of people who struggle with perfectionism mm. or this idea they're not good enough that stemmed from maybe academics or sports that made them feel like, man, do I always have to be competing? Do I always have to keep pushing? Or maybe they just don't feel the love that they, they feel like they should have from their family. Mm. Or even and, the need for God. Yeah, even that deep need for Jesus mm. maybe was left out because – I mean, maybe my life is so good I didn't need Jesus. You know? Yeah. Because you'd be really sad. And so here's the big start. The reality is, though my family is messy, what's the good news? Though I was intended to be harmed, though they meant to hurt me, or maybe they didn't even mean to hurt me and it happened, what God was doing is redeeming of all peoples. Mm. That's still a part of his plan, which is hard to put our hurt into his plan because then it feels like, God, did you hurt me? Well, no, God wasn't doing those things, but he's going to redeem those hurts. God never wastes a hurt. And so we see that. And we're going to go over to 1 John 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. 1 John 4. And so we'll be in 1 John 4.10. And so why I think this is so critical is before we get to like, how do we fix this or what do we do? There's no 10-step plan to fixing your hurts from your parents, right? Mm -hmm. There's no like, there's not necessarily something I can do with this pain. So what do I do with this hurt or this pain or this messiness? Well, 1 John 4.10 is an incredible part of this. It says, in this love, not that he we love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. So not that we loved him first, but that he loved us. And so this idea that, you know, God didn't wait around to love us. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus came and loved us while we were still enemies, while we were against him, while we were opposed to him. Mm -hmm. What do we do with this messiness and ugliness of all my family? Well, I still need the gospel, right? Yeah. Like God is my big heavenly father. My deep need for like mm. this, this frustration in this source is my family. And they were supposed to be the symbol of God's love. Mm. Like when David says, I showed you mercies to Meshibosheth so that you would know God, right? Like mm. that is what my family was supposed to be to point me to my true need of an ultimate heavenly mm. father. Yeah, I feel like the only thing it wasn't people could tell me different things, what to do, what not to do um, in order to to kind of deal with this messiness. Um, but it wasn't until I looked at my family and saw that me in my wicked brokenness, God had forgiven and God had loved and chose to pursue mm. me. And so how much more would it be for me to not do that for my family? And I started thinking even of the parable of the king who had a servant who owed him mm. 10,000 denarius. And then that he forgave that servant. And then that servant mm -hmm. had then said to his servant, no, like you can't, you have to owe me this debt. Mm. And so I thought that with my family, God had richly loved me and given mm. me so much mercy for my own sin. So even like kind of putting money where my mouth was when I was talking Ooh, about yeah. forgiveness and talking about grace. Yeah, that's a challenge, right? Like, cause I can say I, I want grace, right? Like it's easy to say in the gospel, I want grace. Like I don't want God to measure me according to what I do. Yeah. But the inverse is true in a lot of the other ways. Like I want grace when people hurt, when I hurt people, but yeah. when people hurt me, I want justice. I want I want uh, vengeance and vindication yeah. and they deserve what's going to happen to them. But that's not the gospel. Yeah. And I think family is so hard because it's so yeah. closely knitted that I can go to my roommates or I could go to my best friends who mm -hmm. had hurt me. And it's easy for me to love my best friends and to try to reconcile that relationship. But when yeah. it's my family, 
that's like a different story. And I would see that so often every summer. Yeah, it was so awkward because like, right, my, I could live with my roommates and we'd have conflict and they, we've worked on conflict and we've talked about it and we have this biblical model we talk about. But then I go home and it's just a shouting match and I'm like, who cares about this biblical model? You're an idiot, right? And I'm like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. You know, where did all the grace go? Where did this relationship with God that's changing my life go? I mean, my family are non-believers. So what gospel am I sharing to them that's changed me? Mm. Nothing. It's just changed the friends I hang out with. Like, mm. which that's not transformative. That's that's not grace that changes anything. Grace mm. should change me. Grace yeah. should mean that I don't extend relationships on the basis of what they do for me, mm. but I extend relationship and care and love. Yeah, like love holds no records of wrongs, and I think that's easy for us to say. It's like a cute Instagram quote. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard when your parents or your dad or mom are throwing stuff at you or yelling at you. Um, my dad, whenever I would come home every summer, every little thing would just cause an outburst. And so yeah, if yeah. I didn't make my bed, this sounds so little, but if I didn't make it, he would come in the room and rip the sheets and start screaming at me and, and saying, Oh, make your bed. And it all, every, the country in, in me just wants to be like, I'm not going to make my bed. <laughs> but and I, monster, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember mm. just feeling so angry and so mm. frustrated even just because with my roommates it was so different yeah. um and different being involved in a lot of godly community mm-hmm. um during school and I remember that summer meeting with um a dear friend who he had challenged me to start serving my family and yeah. loving them the way mm. how even Jesus or even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And how I, in my own wickedness and greed and despicable, ugly sin, Jesus mm. washed my feet. Yeah. So I can't go make my bed for my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's grace keeps extending, right? Yeah. It's not like, well, I, I have grace for him. The one time he gets upset. It's like grace is extending. God, Jesus doesn't forgive me. And say like, okay, well, don't screw it up again. Hmm. And I think that's the scorekeeping I can do with my family is like, well, I did the dishes, so they should be nice to me tomorrow. Yeah. Well, that is love with conditions. Hmm. And that's a problem. Because Jesus says like, forget uh, in the the Lord's prayer. The way he teaches us to pray is, God, would I forgive others as you forgiving me? Hmm. And God does not extend short grace to us. Yeah. He is expensive, costly grace. Hmm that literally he'll lay down his life for other people. Mm. But I could barely lay down my preferences on how the dishes are done, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, even, you know, I was with Shauna's family and just seeing their family dynamic. There's such an air of perfectionism and doing everything right. Is like uh, during Thanksgiving, I like went and I was trying to help. I was helping. Remember this, everyone. I was helping, okay? I was doing the dishes with her mom because no one else was helping. And I just put all this stuff in the refrigerator. And literally, like 20 minutes later, I said, I hear, who put the mustard in the wrong spot? It was literally be my mom. And I'm just like, who cares where the mustard goes? They care where the mustard goes. And it created this air that, like, you could never make a mistake. And so now even, Shauna, when we get in arguments or things go wrong, this this like a well of emotion comes up because it's all this emotion underlaid of her family. Mm. And so our family creates that dynamic in us for the rest of our lives. Mm. And if we're not honest with that, that our family affects us, then we are wasting a lot of the time. And Mm. to be honest with you right now, a lot of you need to admit that something's happened that has hurt you because as children, we're great observers, right? Children see lots of things, but they're terrible interpreters. Yeah. As children, we just don't have the, like, the mental faculties to process all the things that are happening, no matter even if it was a good decision, bad decision, or just the best decision, right? Like when your parents move, it's like, why are you moving me away from all my friends and all these things? It's like your dad just got offered like a job that triples his pay and you're complaining about your best friends. It's like we don't have the context, but that's because we don't understand the context. Our brains are developing all of its mental faculties until the age of 27. And then it's just all downhill from there, guys. So memorize lots of scripture until you're 27. So then you just have to review for the rest of your life. Uh, but I think uh, in that, there's been hurts that have established even like the Enneagram is a thing is just studying some of those hurts and saying, you've been hurt in this way and you've created defensive mechanisms. I don't love the Enneagram. It's not a thing I worship just so you know, it's fine. Jesus is what I worship, but I think it's a helpful tool 
But what a lot of you need to do, even before we move on past race, is honestly an application is just ask, is forgiving your family. Yeah. Like for those back. things that have happened or are still happening is say, take those to the Lord and say, God, I forgive you. Even Jesus, when, uh, when asked about like forgiveness, he says, don't offer a sacrifice to please the Lord without asking for forgiveness of your brother. Mm. And so I think this is important. So we should be willing to forgive our family. Yeah. So um, after we move past forgiveness, you know, some of the hangups and holdups that could be there is, you know, especially in this season, we just kind of want to escape. Yeah. We just want to get out. We just like, I want to get out of this house as bad as I can. I mean, we're two weeks or three weeks into this and we're already stir crazy. Yeah. But realizing our stir craziness shouldn't mean I avoid my family. Even last mm-hmm. week in community, we talked about how those, our community could be our family. Yeah. I even think of all the times I would go home, how often I would fall into the trap of being with my family. Mm-hmm but really essentially not being because I would just go to work or I would go to my friends mm. um, and even my family would be like, we like never see you. And they would see me talk this big talk on like to friends or all this stuff. And they would call me out on it and be yeah. like, we see you like talking about mm. community or talking about loving each other, but you're, you're not even, you don't love us. Yeah. Right. It's basically what they're expressing. Yeah. You don't love us well. Mm. And man, that would be a tragedy that if we spent weeks at home with our family and at the end of it, they thought, wow, you didn't love me well. That's not the story we want to share. That's not Jeremiah's challenge to the people to bless the city that God has put them in, mm-hmm. right? Like that is the, our dynamic. And even, um, even it talks about here in first uh, John 19, 21. So even picking up just a little further down first John 4, 19 to 21, we love because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Um, And so this is just so interesting, right? That like God's love should be the motivating factor in our relationships. That the dynamic we have is God loved us first, so I should love others first. Mm -hmm. Not that my family brings it all together and then I love them. You know, like, do I still act like a child when I'm at home? Mm -hmm. Do I act like a teenager just because that's the, the mode they understand me? Like, this was hard for me when I came back from college or when I came back from work is my parents still treat me like a 14 year old. Right. Mm. But I'm an adult. And even Jesus in Mark six, four will say, there's no prophet. A prophet has no honor in his home. Right. Mm. And I'm not a prophet for sure, but I can, what I'm seeing there, Jesus saying is sometimes people do not see the change that has happened in your life. Mm. So maybe they haven't seen the change, but I think I like, I like what you're saying, Brie. I don't need to worry about my, my, that change being validated by my parents. Mm. I don't need them to say like, you have grown with God for it to be true. Yeah, for sure. And I think even part of serving them and like doing the dishes or going out of your way or even spending time with your siblings, um, part of that is even sharing your experiences with God. And I think so often I remember coming home from Ignite even recently and and sharing an experience with my mom Mm. that was just blew my mind. Um, And it gets discouraging at times because for her, she was like, cool. Um, and so mm-hmm. as a super passionate, like emotional person, I, I want an emotional response. Like, yes, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can get discouraging to feel like, dang, like I'm sharing my experiences with God with this person, but they're not responding. Mm-hmm. And even to encourage you guys to continue to share, um, that I am not sharing these things just for that response. That shouldn't be, I should be sharing because God is good. Mm-hmm. And that is what he has done and proclaiming what he has done to them. Yeah. And I think um, it's interesting as you said that I thought of immediately, like how many times has God tried to show me something and it Mm. took more than one time for me hearing it before it actually stuck in my brain. Mm. And so sometimes I'm just acting like my parents should be impressed by the things I do, Mm. but I don't care enough to extend any relationship their way. Like when they say like, this is a show I like, or this is something I do. Like my dad's a pretty reserved and not a very socially expressive person. And so even as I started having these conversations about Jesus or life, like he doesn't want to go deep or like, I really value depth in relationship. He doesn't, but he values watching TV together and doing stuff together. So I spent lots of trips going to Walmart and doing things with him or Mm. like working on projects on cars or just, you know, one summer I just decided I was going to watch a show he liked, even though I hated it. Mm. It was about like hunting alligators or something. And I was just like, whatever. Gator boys. I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know swamp people or something. I, don't know. I think it's swamp people. Yeah, yeah. But I think we need to serve people. 
and actually express love to them, mm. not because they loved us first. Yeah. Because that's not the model given to us by Jesus or in our faith that mm. God loved us first. And then in a response, we eventually showed love back, right? Yeah. Because he allured us into the wilderness. It's like right? Hosea. Yeah. 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 Right. The prostitute keeps going back and like mm-hmm. Hosea keeps going to grab her and that's God. And so why would we not even do that for our parents? Even time after time yeah. after they've hurt us again. Believers again. or not, right? Like either way. Yeah. And I think one thing I want to pause even here to say is I'm going to tell you, oh, some of you have been hurt by family in massive ways. Mm. Um, and there's been some like abuse or some really hurtful things. And what I would say is love and trust. I mean, love and forgiveness are expect- expectations from the gospel. Mm. That Jesus expects you to forgive as you've been forgiven and to love as you've been loved. But that does not connotate trust. Mm, yeah. And I think there is this difference here. And what I would say is just because I love you does not mean I will give you the keys to my car. Yeah. Like trust is earned still. I know that sounds weird, but uh, just because people have hurt me doesn't mean I just keep giving, keep giving, keep giving, keep giving without any thought of what could happen, right? Like mm. um, there's just need to be some thoughtfulness. And that's where wisdom comes in. Yeah. And I think wisdom isn't necessarily commandments, right? Like the book of Proverbs, they're not commandments. They're just statements of facts and wisdom. Yeah. And so those should make us think like, well, I shouldn't be wasteful. Like I don't just necessarily give money to, you know, my sister because she tends to not handle it well, but I will, if she's willing, I will extend grace and maybe I still will. Mm. But that doesn't mean I just do it because she asks. Yeah. I do have to think through it and talk to her about it. And so for some of you, I know this is really sensitive and I want you to hear that what I'm saying is if your family is abusive, that doesn't mean you need to now go and love them unashamedly. You might need to forgive them for the hurts because I don't, I think that will get in between you and your relationship with God. Mm. But that doesn't mean you need to go do a bazillion things with your family, even for everyone else. You don't need to go now do everything with your family and like everything they like. Mm. You need to be you. But I think you can do that in a way that loves and honors your parents. The only commandment was a promise, right? My Christian children who heard that all growing up, right? Uh, <laughs> Knows I secretly cringe a little. The weapon, I the weapon of the believing parents, right? Like, <laughs> spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child. The only commandment with a promise is obey me. Yeah. And even want to encourage you guys to reach out, um, especially if your family dynamic, if there is abuse, um, to reach out to counselors um, and to even reach out to some of the staff and yeah. uh, talk to one of us. We would be more than happy to um, talk with you about it and to um, help mm-hmm. you through that. Yeah, man, the reality is that God has done a lot for us mm. and we've done very little. And that expresses in familyhood, right? Like I do a lot for Judah right now and he does very little. And I express a lot of love to him and he just kind of coons at me, which <laughs> melts my heart for joy. And I think that should help set a tone for us that, man, even as we love our parents or love our family in the midst of the messiness, it doesn't mean necessarily the messiness is all cleaned up. Mm. So we need to trust in Jesus and keep going back to the gospel. Mm. Uh, What should we do? Oh man. If we feel like our hearts have a hard time talking to our families in general, that's a great question. I have a lot of hard times talking to my family. I just, I have to talk on the phone to my parents all the time and it's literal torture to me because I will ask, I literally ask all the questions. Mm. And for some of you, I, you feel me, you know what I'm saying? Like I'll ask my dad, like, Hey, what'd you do this week? The usual. And I'm just like, oh my God, what is happening? Oh my God. Uh, So even like, how are you doing? I'm fine. Hmm. And emotionally, it's pretty hard, right? Because I want to actually know him. I'm asking because I care. And so I will say some some of it is a lot of follow-up conversations Hmm. and like asking questions, asking questions. If you need to get creative on questions, some guy taught like a workshop on good question asking at the start of the semester. And you could could email us for the handout and there's lots of questions on there. Anything you'd add on how to like, maybe hard times talking with your families? Yeah, I agree with coming even with some questions prepared um, or even asking them questions based off what they've said. I know that might be hard if they're like one answers. Yeah. But my dad will usually, if I'm on the phone with him, he'll go into like everything that has gone wrong for like the past hour. And I'll just be like, wow, like what did I walk into? Um, but it's easy and, to check out in that moment, right? Yeah, and it's easy for me to not even to mm-hmm. just be like, all right, let me hang up. 
um, or get to, <laughs> nice to know your life is yeah. Well, the crazy thing is that's what he's passionate about. Though. Yeah. So he is expressing something he cares about. Yeah. But because I don't care, I just want to check out. Which how selfish is that, yeah, right? I do that sure. all the time. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm not hating on her, but oh, I'm, just, uh, yeah. I'm exposing that that's our reality. Is sometimes we say like it's hard to relate to my family because I don't want to relate on their terms. I want them to relate on my terms. But I will say that doesn't mean like what I'm what I'm not saying is you're doing it wrong and you need to change your life and you're the horrible person. They might be really difficult to deal with, but I'm just going to tell you freshmen are really difficult to deal with, but yet we still love them, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think even just pressing in and asking him, all right, well, why has it been hard? And even if it inconveniences me for 10 minutes out of my day, but it makes his day like, and he feels loved by that. Why would I not do that? Yeah. What would he, what would even change if you thought like, wow, yeah. I was loved by my parents. Hey, I love freshmen. You guys are just all, we're all goofy. You know, it's okay. we're all messy families. And as freshmen, we're all awkward. It's cool. I get it. My next question. That's true. I knew Bree is a very awkward freshman. God's <laughs> grace. You know? God's grace extends all the more. How to build up with petty Ooh, things. Yeah. Well, I'm going to probably have, let you, I'll let you go. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably have a hot take here. Yes. So I feel like this is my life. Like, going home there's just so many things that my specifically my mom my dad will get on it too but my mom will just have an emotional reaction of mm -hmm. like if I yeah put the mustard in the wrong spot and she's like the mustard was not put right Mind blown. um and so I think even just like talking to her I think I used to um kind of react I'm, I'm very shockingly I'm very emotional <laughs> uh, so I, would, I would react a lot of them and, and react in anger and rage um, and kind of be like well here thank you for you should be thanking me for putting the mustard away um, but even just being like how would you like it to be put away um, and even talking and I think realizing how my tone is coming across she would react to my tone and so if I reacted in a lot of anger then she will then go into a whole another yeah. hemisphere well um, if you say an often offensive statement yeah there's only one response is defensiveness right yeah and so i think even mm -hmm. just those little things being like okay how i think reading through proverbs now is even just such a reminder of like mm -hmm. there's so many times i just want to spew like anger but in that moment it can just cause more grief yeah i think of first corinthians 13 for this and proverbs actually so i think Love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrong. And I think that's one thing as we talk about like a build up a lot of petty things. Here's one challenge. Just forgive them. Yeah. Let them go. Mm -hmm. And you might not be able to affect how your parents react to that, but you can affect how you react to that. And when I say forgive them, I don't mean like say, yeah, God, I forgive them. And would you forgive them? But actually try and process in your heart. Maybe you need to buy a journal and just write in how you're feeling. So I think first Corinthians 13 is really challenging for us because we keep a record of wrong and right. We're like, like breeze up two points in my relationship with her. Mm. Ooh, Ellie forgot something down five points, you know, like that's wrong of us. Mm. And we don't want Jesus to do that to us, but we do that to other people. That's that wanting grace and extending judgment and conviction backwards. Mm. Um, and I would say if it's the other way, like your family has a lot of petty things, I would say there's nothing you could do to make them different but the way you love them will change them. Mm. I mean, one thing I started doing that my family never did, and this is real. I would, I just decided I was going to start saying, I love you at the end of conversations to my family. Mm. Now they all say it to me, but cry. it wasn't until I was 28 that I actually heard my family say that all the time to each other mm. because I started to say it to them. So that can be a challenge. What if love and Oh yeah, that's a great question. That Brie can answer. Yeah, I think <laughs> seventy times seven. Um, yeah, I think just so many times. How many times do I continue to do wrong to God, like a thousand times a day, and He continues to love me? Um, so I don't think there's ever a time. Even my mom, um, I talk about just hurts from her, but she had a very physically emotion and emotionally abusive household um where her dad would come and slam her across the room um and her mom uh, her, both of her parents just yeah super hard um alcoholics and she actually has modeled that and it's easy for me to pinpoint these things and be like my mom hurt me here my mom hurt me there or that but she has even loved and extended them and continued to reach out to her parents um it might um, not be in the 
way that I think is the most biblical. Um, but I just think, gosh, yeah, why would I not extend that grace if Christ has extended that to me? And so I think that's why we could give all these steps, but it goes back to the gospel. Um, and for me, it's easy for me to post on Instagram or to talk to the women that I disciple um, or really to talk to anybody, but to put the money where my mouth is and to really love my family well um, and to forgive them is just like, so good. That was so good. That was thunder right there. I'm not going to add anything that goes, I mean, I'll add one thing. That was amazing. You should really grasp that. The gospel is the solution, right? Like if they have hurt me a ton and they keep doing me wrong, there's no, like, there's not an end to the record of wrong I can let happen to me. Mm. I mean, but it does go back to that love and trust thing. I would yeah. say, obviously you don't like keep in an environment of unhealth. So maybe you need to figure out how to do that. But I would say, keep extending grace a lot and realize that there is context to their hurt. Mm. Like the generations of Genesis that the families kept hurting one another and that the sins of the father affected the children. That's a pattern through the scriptures. Yeah. Generational sins. Yeah. yeah. Jeremiah. The first thing he says is why have your fathers forsaken me? Wait, he's talking about my dad. I didn't even do this. This yeah. is his fault. No, it's his, his fault that has now affected me. That mm. is now affecting them. Mm. Um, and then our last question is, sorry, how to go? starting a potentially emotional explosive conversation with the hope for honesty and reconciliation. Fists up. No, I'm just kidding. That's how my family would have dealt with things is arguing and fighting. So uh, how to deal uh, with starting emotionally explosive. Uh, that's a great question. I would say there's going to be, I would pray a lot. Mm. If you are worried about your family or feel hurt by them and you're not praying for them, or you feel like there's this air of perfectionism mm. that is around your family, uh, you cannot change people's lives. Mm. God changes people. Yeah. That's, that's just a truth we mm. have to deal with. Um, I think bringing others in to be praying for you, but not to gossip. It'd be easy just for Bree to go complain about her mom to her friends or for me to complain about Shauna's parents or my parents. But if, and not in the way of like, can you pray? And then we gossip about it, but say, Hey, could you pray for a conversation I'm going to have with my parents? Yeah. And I don't need to give any context. I just need to say, can you pray for a conversation? Jesus knows the answer, right? Yeah. Um, I think like we said, getting a journal and starting to serve there. Mm. Um, I would say I'd per, I would, I would protect, if you're going to have some of these conversations, I would say, stay away from statements like you always, or you never, or you mm. like, these finality or absolute statements because yeah. only Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah. And I think even admitting you're wrong. <laughs> um, that was a Star Wars. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> um, I think like even admitting your part in the wrong, like for me, yes. like um, we've talked about this with my end, like I would just be such a, like I would react to a lot of emotional things. I was honestly a brat a lot of the times. Um, and so even just, being like mom and dad, like, I'm sorry for this, like for my way and how I reacted. And then sharing like, when this, when you did this or that happened, this conversation, like that really hurt me. And it made me feel like this. Um, yeah. I think the way you say it is definitely the yeah. tone. <laughs> the way you say it matters. And I would say one of the big things, so don't see absolute statements, the manner at which you come in the conversation, I wouldn't do it in the midst of another heated argument, right? Yeah. Like, deal with things at a cool head. And then one big other thing I would say is they can't change who they are, right? So realize they're not the problem, right? Your parents or your siblings, maybe it's your brother, your cousin, your yeah. uncle. I mean, I know there's lots of weird family dynamics. Realize they can't make themselves a different person. And it's sin, yeah. Like it is sin. Is sin like, is the broken We're thing. not dealing with flesh and blood. Yeah. yeah, but sins and principalities. And I'm just going to tell you, the enemy wants to destroy the family units because that was the original symbol of the Trinity on earth. That a father, the heavenly father comes together with the spirit, the image of the woman, right? And they come together and it produces, right, the son. And that is the immediate symbology of the trilogy, right? Mm. The trilogy, Trinity. I got Star Wars running my mind now. Um, but so, how, yeah, how beautiful. This how beautiful, down. yeah. And of course, the enemy wants to destroy that. That's why the divorce rate's at 60%. That's why he's going after these families in that everyday statistic matters and our broken families matter. We love you all. We'll see you.